We adore thee, O Christ, and we bless thee, because by thy holy cross thou hast redeemed the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. The season of Lent, as you've heard me say probably several times by now, perhaps ad nauseum, is a journey into the wilderness with Jesus so that we might share in his victory over the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We might share in his victory over sin, death, and the devil. Therefore, Lent is simultaneously, and this is evident in the church calendar, it's a 40-day journey to where? To the cross. The end of the journey that we're on is Calvary. And the victory that we share in, by virtue of our union with Christ, was one on Calvary. It was one on the cross. When we think about overcoming sin and death and the devil, be mindful that it was on the cross that the blood of the spotless Lamb of God was, was poured out as an offering, the perfect sin offering for the forgiveness of sin. It was by Jesus' death on the cross that death was defeated, that death was exhausted of its power, that he trampled death down by his death. It was by the cross that Jesus cast out, as he says in today's gospel, the, and this is my take, the illegitimate ruler of this world, which is Satan. And it is by the cross that Jesus draws all men, all people unto himself, that he draws all things unto himself. I be high and lifted up. High and lifted up where? He said this to indicate the kind of death that he would die. High and lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men unto myself. Because we cannot be united with God. There's the reason that we exist. To see God, to know him, to be united with him. We cannot be united to God if we are in our sins walking in darkness. Sin separates us from God. Sin disrupts our fellowship with him. And we cannot be united to God if we're dead, if we're consigned to Sheol, if, if we were to, we're, we're immortal, not by nature, but by grace. If, if we're like beasts and we die and that's it, how, as the psalmist says, the dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. I'll give you a little preview. That's part of what Jesus is doing on Holy Saturday. He goes into Hades, the abode of the dead, and he preaches the gospel to them and takes them out of the realm of the dead and into paradise. 
and we cannot be united to God, we are not free to worship him if we're enslaved to Pharaoh, who is a type of Satan. We, we cannot be brought into the bosom of the Almighty Father if our Father is the devil. So again, Jesus by his cross wins the victory over sin, death, and the devil. And being high and lifted up on the cross, he draws all people, all things unto himself. At the beginning of today's gospel, John chapter 12, verse 20, who is it that says, and it's beautiful in the King James, sir, we would see Jesus. In other words, we wish to see not Jews, but Gentiles, particularly the Greeks. And so what happens, as Jesus begins to talk about his death, sort of just the immediate context of this passage, is that at the cross, the covenant is renewed. The, the new covenant is ratified with the perfect sacrifice, which is Christ himself. And what happens in most covenants, but in this, God's covenant with Abraham and God's covenant with man is that a covenant is the formation of a new family, a new people. Thus, those who are in Christ, united to him on account of his incarnation by his death, are now a part of God's worldwide family comprised of both Jew and Gentile. So Jesus is saying, through it, through my death, through the ratification of the covenant, through this act, as we're going to see, of, of new creation, I'm going to draw the whole world unto myself. So this is something that happens, this, this drawing toward, this, this attraction to the crucified and risen Jesus is not only existential. I mean, there's a magnetic quality about the cross. But it's also ontological. That means it changed the very being of mankind, but also the being of the universe. Because the barriers to union with God, sin, death, devil, being a physical descendant of Abraham, those barriers to union with God have, have been erased. Jesus, in his incarnation, and by his death, he recreates humanity. This is a work of new creation. Gregory of Nazianzus said this. He says, that if, speaking of Christ, that a few drops of blood recreated the whole world. So, so his death, it affects this, this change in in mankind, but also this change in the cosmos, this change in the creation. Colossians 1.20, speaking of Jesus, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In the person of Jesus, heaven and earth come together. We talked about this a little 
Times Square. It could have been two Sundays ago. It could have been 20. I don't know. But about the temple, the temple is a place where heaven and earth overlap. Well, Jesus himself is the temple. But also in his work, particularly his work on the cross, heaven and earth come together. I mean, what happens? We're going to be reminded of this very starkly as we're in what the penultimate week of Lent. Holy Week starts next Sunday. What happens at the temple when Jesus dies? The veil separating the holy place from the most holy place is torn from top to bottom. What does that mean? It means that the presence of God, formerly limited to the holy of holies, now fills the earth for Christ himself now fills the earth through his mystical body, the church, through the death of Jesus and the birth of the church. The earth is now full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Heaven and earth come together. God's dwelling place is truly among his people. So by his cross, he draws all things to himself defeating that which is evil and renewing and recreating that which is good. As the serpent slithered upon the tree in the Garden of Eden, deceiving the woman, leading mankind towards disobedience, on account of which mankind is cursed, so does Jesus, high and lifted up on a tree, take the consequences and curses upon himself and does by his death create a new Eden. Jesus is the seed that falls to the ground. And when he arises, he brings the tree of the kingdom of God to earth. So the kingdom of God is the rule of God. It was inaugurated on earth as in heaven through the cross. The cross was Christ's coronation. He had a crown, did he not? He had a sign above his head that said, this is the king of the Jews. The kingdom of God is established on earth as in heaven through the cross. And the kingdom of God, it grows the same way by the cross. Cross is the center of the world. The crucified and risen Jesus is the center of the Christian life. And the contemplation of the mystery of the cross, it draws us into the life of God. It draws us into the life of God. If I be high and lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself, all people. There is, as I mentioned, of course, a magnetic quality to the cross, a revelatory property to the cross. In it, we, we see God most clearly revealed, and we see what mankind ought to be most clearly revealed in the God-man, Savior, Jesus Christ. We, we see the love of God 
the love of God, that he who enjoyed the glory before the world even existed, the name that was glorified from all eternity, became human, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, and he suffered, and he, and he died, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We see the love of God. We see the, the greatest of all conceivable sacrifices. That is the offering, the giving of one's own life and that of one's child. For in Christ, God himself became man. It's his own life. He says, I have the power to, to lay down my life and take it up again. But also in the mystery of the Holy Trinity, John 3.16, most famous verse, see it up at the end zone of football games, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we see in the cross, yes, we see the perfect sacrifice for sins. We never want to move past that, of course. But Jesus takes up the whole sacrificial system. There are all different kinds of sacrifices. Sacrifice, some of thanksgiving, of, of tithing and giving, of, of just adoration. Think of all the different types of prayer. And, and Jesus always offered throughout his incarnation, and especially on the cross, this, this perfect adoration to God the Father. Jesus, as the God-man, shows us what it truly means to be human, giving us both an example and the enabling power to know, love, worship, and adore Almighty God. So we are here to come to the center of the world. That is to come to the foot of the cross in a spirit of humility and repentance and in adoration and thanksgiving, that in and through Christ we may be brought into the life of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we do, when we do so, when, when we, in thought, word, and deed, in heart, soul, mind, and strength, adore the crucified and risen Jesus, we are transformed. And so is the world around us. The, the catalyst for evangelism is the lifting high of the crucified and risen Jesus. Why was the growth in the ancient church, particularly in the book of Acts, so explosive. And when I say growth, I don't just mean numerical growth, also they, they had that. But, but why was it that their growth in Christ was so explosive, that they, they walked in holiness and righteousness and power? Was it their marketing? They had a really good marketing team. Was it that they geared their worship towards the unbeliever? No, it's because they were ever at the foot of the cross 
It's because they were participating in the life of the crucified and risen Jesus in sacrament and in fellowship and in prayer and in devotion. And what you see in Acts chapter 2 is that the signs and wonders that they experienced and the daily adding to the church by thousands, it grew out of their worshiping life, their devotion and their relation with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's where the power is, is meeting and encountering Jesus. You don't hear this language as much uh, anymore, but uh, back in the day, the late 90s, early 2000s, you would hear uh, a lot about uh, churches being uh, seeker sensitive. So Sunday morning, it's not for the Christian. We gear it towards people that don't know Jesus. And Sunday becomes this evangelistic uh, rally. And I always, it can be well-intentioned, but I also I always struggled with it. Because the Bible says that there, there's none that seeketh after God. And so I, I want to be seeker-sensitive at this church. But I want to, there's only one that seeks. What does Chronicles say? That the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro the earth to give strength to those whose heart is completely his. Jesus is the one that seeks us. He says, I came to seek and save that which is lost. And when in thought and word and deed, we exalt the crucified and risen Jesus, we are transformed and the world around us is transformed. Jesus will draw others to himself. Saint Seraphim of Sarov said, I know everyone's favorite saint to read, uh, obscure Russian saint, said, be at peace, and a thousand souls around you will be saved. As God transforms you, that has a transforming effect to the world around you. It just does. And as you grow in faith and in holiness, and in relationship, it won't be so much, okay, i got to go out and talk to people about Jesus. You'll be like Peter and John that said, you know, we, we can't help but to speak what we've seen and heard. It oozes out of us. Martin Thornton wrote, there is nothing contagious as holiness, nothing more pervasive than prayer. So as we draw near the end of our Lenten journey, as Google Maps tells us to make a sharp turn towards the cross, which is the destination, let us with awe and reverence behold the mystery of the cross so that in sharing in Christ's death, we may lose our lives. And find them afresh in Jesus, the crucified and risen one, to whom with the Father and the Holy Spirit, 
be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen.